This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Chuck Ford and Relate Church in Byron, Mississippi. For more information, please visit RelateChurch.com. All right, everybody ready? Hebrews, the 12th chapter. We're, we're beginning a brand new series today. We're calling it How, How to Live Through a Bad Day. And here's, here's the thing. We all have bad days. And if anyone ever told you, when I got saved, somebody told me that, oh, man, all your trouble's over. And so for the first two weeks, I was wondering if I even got saved because it seemed like to me that all my trouble just got started. I mean, uh, you know, before you're saved, I mean, there's no resistance. I mean, the devil will let you live ever how you want to live. There's no resistance. But as soon as you get saved, I mean, it's like, I mean, it just stuff comes at you. And Jesus said, in this life, you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. But he didn't stop there. He said, but be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. He said in Psalm 37, it says that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver him out of it all. The Lord, it doesn't say the Lord won't deliver him. It says the Lord will deliver him out of them all. And so we all have trouble in life. We all have bad days in life. And how many of you know when you're, when you're in the middle of a bad day, it just seems like that day is never going to end. I mean, it's just, it just seems like it just keeps going and going. How many of you know that Jesus had a bad day? Yes. We, we call that bad day Good Friday. Yes. <laughs> so it, 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 was, it, was a, it was a good day for us, but it was a bad day for Jesus, yes. right? And so that's what this whole series of messages is about, seven weeks long. And uh, we're going to take, Jesus made seven statements on the cross Seven statements why he was on the cross, and I believe that all seven of these statements, they, they, they're life lessons for you and I because he was living right in the middle of a bad day. I mean, this was the worst day for him, right? He was living right in the middle of the bad day, but he made seven statements on the cross that are life lessons for you and I that if we would employ these life lessons, I tell you what, our, we, we, it doesn't mean we're not going to have bad days. It just means that we're going to get to the end of where Jesus, how many of them that he rose from the dead? I mean, he... He came up victorious out of the grave, and he triumphed. And, and so these seven things, these seven lessons will guarantee that you and I, although we walk through our bad days, it guarantees you and I that there will be a resurrection. There will be a resurrection, and we will end up, we'll see that we are, we are winning, right? We, we win. And so, uh, you know, Jesus' bad day, it was a day of lying tongues. I mean, he was lied upon. I mean, I'm sure you've read the account of, you know, when Jesus was taken before Pilate and, you know, he was accused and he was lied about. Uh, it, was a, it was a day of brutal beating. I mean, Jesus was just beat, and, and I don't have time to go into the details, but it was, it was, it was not, it was not a, a pansy-type thing. I mean, Jesus was brutalized. He was brutalized before he ever even went to the cross, and so it was a, it was a day of a brutal beating, loneliness, re- and rejection. I mean, I mean, all of his disciples left him, right? I mean, they just left him. Peter denied him in the presence of a little 12-year-old girl. He just denied that he even knew Jesus. And so, I mean, Jesus is having a bad day. It was a God-forsaken day. I mean, you imagine this, that your very own father has to, I mean, he, he turns his back to you. He turns his face away from you, and Jesus cries out, and we'll get to this another one, but uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so this was a bad day for Jesus. And, and I don't think, there's nothing that you and I could really, I don't think we could ever put any of our bad days in the same category, but in, in some sense, the bad day that Jesus went, for, went through is very familiar to the, some of the days that we go through. 
Because how many of you have ever been lied on? How many of you have ever been betrayed? How many of you have ever just been left alone? Right? How many of you have ever been rejected? Right? And so in so many ways, these bad, his bad day was like so many like our own. And so they happen to all of us. We all experience these bad days. And I want you to notice in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, Hebrews, the 12th chapter, notice, and I'll just start reading with verse, uh, let's verse, well, let's just start reading with verse one. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Now, how many of you know that you're in a race? You're in a race. Life is a race. I mean, it, and, it, and it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's for, the, it's for the long haul. So he's talking about let us run this race that is set before us. Verse 2, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. How many of you, that's a good place to set your eyes, to set your gaze is up on Jesus. We, we do this by setting our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor at, on God's throne. Amen. So I want you to notice, what did he say? He said, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep looking at him. So, I mean, if you, if you and I want to learn how to, to navigate through our bad days, which we're all going to have, which we're all going to have some bad days, and if we want to know how to navigate through those bad days, what does it say? Let's keep our eyes on Jesus. I mean, because even for the, I mean, the joy that was set before him, he navigated this bad, I mean, horrible day that we call Good Friday. He navigated this day so beautifully, and at the end, and we look at it, and we look at, oh, man, this is horrible, but it was great for us. I mean, this is when he, he came and he, he paid the price for the sin of the whole world for you and I. And we, you know, forgiveness was granted to us and, and life was granted to us and a relationship with God was, you know, granted to us through this bad day that Jesus had. But let's learn how to navigate our bad days. So he, he talks about, let us, let us look unto Jesus. Let us keep our eyes on him. He's the champion of our faith. So the first statement the first of the seven statements that Jesus made on the cross is in Luke chapter 23 verse 34 and you know this this scripture honestly bugs me y'all ever have a scripture that just bugs you this one just bugs me and, and I'll tell you why in a minute I think you'll see this but in in Luke chapter 23 verse 34 Jesus said father forgive them now, I don't have a problem with that Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. I do have a problem with that. <laughs> I have a problem with that. They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Anybody ever have, let me, let me just say it like this. Bad days, bad days, all of our bad days are the result of things that happen. And things that happen are the result of other people. Bad days are the results of, of, of things that happen, and things that happen are the result of other people, what, what people do, They're, what people misunderstand about us, about 
you know, people who intended to hurt us, people who didn't intend to hurt us, but they hurt us, people who forgot, people who neglected, right? People who betrayed us or violated us. And, you know, and, and I don't have too many of these, and I, and, and I was hesitant to share this because, you know, I, I've shared it before, but it's just, I think it paints the picture perfect. Well, I'll get to it in a minute. Okay. So people who betray us, people who violate us, people who they, they injure us through their, through their actions, whether it was yesterday or yesteryear. I mean, you know, bad things, bad days are the results of things that happen and things that happen are the result of people. People do stuff. People don't do stuff. People say things. They don't say things. It's just the result of people. And so many times, I don't know about you, but many times I find it hard to believe they didn't know what they were doing. Sometimes I use that excuse for Tammy, you did this. I, I didn't know that I did that. <laughs> and most of the time I didn't know, but, you know, and so I don't know, but everybody who does it to me, I'm pretty sure they know exactly what they were doing. I'm pretty sure they know exactly what they were doing. And so here's or lesson number one, principle number one is this. If we're going to live through our bad day, we must, number one, we must forgive everyone who's trying to ruin our life. We must forgive everyone who's trying to ruin our life. And here's the deal. If you don't forgive, you'll begin to internalize that pain. And how many of you know that hurt people hurt people? They do. You'll begin to internalize pain, and, and there's, in, in life, there's a tendency to collect emotional baggage. We pick up things. People do things to us, and we hold on to that, and we, we've, got this, we've got this unforgiveness in our heart, and, and man, we're just, it just angers us. And I, I read a story uh, some time ago, and it's about this guy named Oliver Cromwell in 1649, uh, in his his party, his political party in, in England was overthrown, and so they captured this Oliver Cromwell. He, he, they captured King Charles I, and they tried him and sentenced him to death. And 59 people put their name, their signatures, on his death warrant. Well, 11 years later, the Royalist Party, which was headed up by King Charles II, the son of Charles I, he thought he would get revenge, and so, you know, out of the 59 people, he, you know, 11 of them were still alive, and so what, what he did, he hunted them down, but for the others, but for the others, he had them exhumed from their grave 11 years later, tried in a court, and hung. Man, you talking about holding on to the past or literally digging up the past? You know, and that's what we do sometimes if we have unforgiveness in our heart, man, we're just, we keep digging up the past what somebody did to us. And, and a lot of times we just don't remember it within ourselves, but we lash out at them. We've got something against them. We've got bitterness in our heart towards them. And we think we're hurting them. We think we're holding them back. We think that we're getting even. Or we think that we are doling out justice, but all it's doing is hurting us. All it's doing is holding us back. Look, if we're going to get through our bad days, we've got to forgive everyone who's trying to ruin 
our life. Yeah, but I know they know what they're doing. They may know what they're doing. I, I, I find that hard to believe that most of the time people don't know, I think. But here's the thing about sin. And, it, and, it's, and it's true for whatever kind of sin. There is an ignorance that exists where sin is because we, don't, we, we have a limited understanding of how much harm sin does to another person. And so even if we you know, we know, we don't know all the ramifications that when we sin against someone else, we don't know all the ramifications that has. So there is an element to us that we don't know what we're doing. Of course, those people who crucified Jesus, they didn't, they didn't realize they were really crucifying the king of glory. The Bible says if, if they had known, if the devil had known, he never would have crucified him. I mean, you talk about a misstep. You talk about messing up crucifying the king of kings and the lord of lords and now man we got there there although he was one now there are many of us who carry his name who have his life who have his authority right it never would have done it never would have done it but we we must we must forgive and we can't spend our whole life digging up the past of what somebody did to us so years ago i had a minister friend of mine who man just betrayed me i mean just just betrayed me. I, I, I couldn't even believe it. I couldn't even believe it, and I couldn't understand why. Why would they do this? I don't understand. I mean, and it just hurt. I mean, it just hurt so deep. And for years, when I, when I heard this person's name, man, I, just could, I, could, I could just feel the blood pressure rise. I could feel the anger just coming up in me. I mean, and I would just hear their name, and it would just disgust me. I would, I would get so upset, and so the Lord dealt with me. The Lord dealt with me that, that I needed to forgive. And I said, well, I do forgive them. <laughs> hey, the Lord wasn't convinced. <laughs> Neither would anyone else who heard that. They weren't convinced, and so I, I really had to go to God, and, and, uh, and I had to get before him, and I had to release this person. I had to release them, and, and so now I, I can hear this person's name. I can hear somebody talk about it. Man, just no emotion, no ill will feelings. Why? Because I actually forgave. Amen. But there's a tendency to dig up the past, rehash it, open that wound, right, instead of letting it continue to heal. So there, there's... You know, we talked about the sources of unforgiveness in Jesus' life, the betrayal, the false accusation, the rejection, the abuse, the, the humiliation. We talked about that. But let me just talk about, because a lot of times when we start talking about forgiveness, people get really nervous, and, and they feel like, man, they're on the hook for something that they have to do. And a lot of times I think there is a misunderstanding of what forgiveness is. So let me just tell you what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. Say, oh, it wasn't a big deal. Well, it may have been a really big deal, right? So forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. It's not saying, oh, that's no big deal. You know, because it could have been a really big deal, right? Somebody hurts you, that could be a really big deal. Uh, forgiveness is not instant restoration of trust. Just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean you have to instantly trust them. It's not that. It's not a... It's not the it's, forgiveness is not resuming the relationship without changes. 
you know, it, w one thing that's important when, e even in life relationships, it's important that you and I have boundaries. It, it is really important that we have boundaries. And you need to know what those boundaries are with other people. And you need to live in accordance with those boundaries, right? So you, God doesn't expect you to live in, a, in a, uh, an abusive situation where you're being abused emotionally, physically, verbally. He, he doesn't expect you to live in that. You can forgive the person, but you don't have to live in the environment. Thank you all for that enthusiasm. So it's not resu re resuming the relationship without changing. Now, notice this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23. Let's look at what Jesus, what it says about Jesus. And this is from the Living Bible. It says, when Jesus suffered, he did not threaten to get even. <laughs> now, <laughs> be honest. How many of you? Now, I know they would do this down at Country Woods. But <laughs> no, how I many when somebody sinned against you? I mean, you're thinking, I'm gonna get them, or if you don't say it, you say, God's gonna get them, yeah. or God, please get them, yeah. right? Huh? No, but when Jesus suffered, he did not threaten to get even. That's hard to do because you have you and I have flesh. Right. We have flesh, and so the tendency is that somebody strikes you, strike them back. That's why we have instructions. Somebody slaps you, turn the other cheek. Right. Well, okay, that's easy. No, that's not easy because somebody slaps you, your blood pressure is going to go up. And I mean, you, and you're going to be ready to slap back, right? So it, that, don't threaten to get, get even. He left his case in the hands of God. It doesn't even say that he prayed that God would get even. He just said he left it with God. And when, sometimes when people do something, you just need to leave it with God. You need to forgive them, just leave it with God. You don't threaten to get even. Well, I'm gonna, they won't get their payback. Now, that's, that's not how a Christian lives. That's not how a believer lives. That's not how a believer operates. No, we do it a different way. We do it, we do it the way of the word, right? And so we don't threaten to get even. We just, all right, I'm going to forgive and I'm going to leave this with God. And, you know, we have scriptures. Because sometimes I get bugged. I, I get really bugged about you know, ministers and, and preachers who are just, their, their life is just so immoral and their ministries are booming. I just get bugged by that. It, it, it bothers me. And so I tell the Lord, it, it bothers me. And you know what he told me? Well, he tells me right out of the scriptures, just like he tells you. He said, they're my servants. And whether they stand or they fall is up to me. I mean, God knows decisions you're going to make 10 years from now. Right? He knows that. He knows if you're going to repent. He knows if you're going to make it right. And so he's just not so quick to jerk the rug out from anybody. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that he's been patient with you? I know we talk about all these other people. Yeah, but what about you? Have you done anything? So here's some, here's some keys to forgiveness. And I don't know if this message is even like, I don't know if I'm doing it in order of your notes, but here, here's some keys to forgiveness. Number one, you've got to forgive people without condition. 
you, you, got, you just got to do it without condition. You know, I've never spoken to that, that person, and that's been at least 10 years ago. I've never spoken to them again, but I absolutely have no ill will in my heart. I forgave them. It's not up to me to restore the relationship. It's up to me to forgive. Right? So you forgive without condition. A lot of times, well, I'll forgive them if. If they ask me to forgive them, I will. No. It don't work like that. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly, right? We, we forgive without conditions. I mean, it, and if there's conditions, it's not forgiveness. So a lot of times we're waiting on somebody else to come to us and say, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. I, you know, please forgive me. And you, you oh, okay, well, let me think about it. No, I mean, if somebody comes to you like that, you say, oh, man, I, I dealt with that a long time ago. I, I forgave you that a long time ago. I absolutely have no ill will feelings towards you. I, I'm good, right? That's the way it ought to be. So we, we forgive without condition. Number two, number two, we, we forgive them in advance. This is kind of similar, but we forgive them in advance. Uh, so, you know, again, before they ask. You know, we can... You can do it right away, right away. If somebody does something, Lord, I, I forgive them. I don't hold this against them. You know, the, and forgiveness kind of works along with love, right? Because love, love takes no account of the evil do, done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Boy, I, I like reading that verse. It's hard to do, though. Sometimes it, it, it pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It takes no account of the evil done to it. How do you do that? Well, you got to be operating from a, a place of love, the love of God that's in you, to do that where you just well, forgive them, Lord, they don't know what they're doing. Pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Right? So we give them, we forgive in advance. And then number three, we forgive them because I need forgiveness. Anybody in here need forgiveness? So we forgive others because we need Forgiveness. I want you to look at a portion of Scripture with me, and then we're going to close in Matthew, the 18th chapter. Matthew, the 18th chapter. And, and boy, I, I just, I really like this. I, I really believe that it tells the story. In Matthew, the 18th chapter, verse 21, it says, Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? And I'm sure Peter would love for Jesus' response, but yeah, six or seven is good. Five, six, or seven times, that's good. Oh, he said, no, no not seven. Seventy times. Seven. If you look at this in the context, context, it's in a day. And if you look in, in, other, in, in other gospel accounts, the next words that follow is, Lord, increase our faith. I mean, I got to forgive somebody 490 times. I need my faith to increase. Now, God's not going to ask you to do something He's not willing to do. He, he's not a hypocrite. And uh, so Jesus said, No, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And then He said, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought. 
brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Everybody say millions of dollars. Anybody in here owes somebody millions of dollars? I don't owe anybody millions of dollars. Nobody owes me millions of dollars. Anybody, uh, this church doesn't owe millions of dollars. I mean, millions of dollars, that's a lot of money, right? And so this debtor came in, and, and man, he was, he, and he, he's owing this creditor millions of dollars, and he couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife and his children and the dog and the cats. Nothing wrong with selling the cats. That's fine. <laughs> Sell the cats. <clears throat> everything he owned, his socks, his underwear, I mean, he, he, he sold everything to repay the debt. I mean, he, he sold it all. But the man fell down before his master and begged him. He said, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his now, how's he going to do that? I mean, he couldn't pay hardly any, any. He couldn't pay any of it. Now, all of a sudden, he's got to change. I, I'll get to work. I'm going to work really hard. I'll pick up another job. I'll pick up some other shifts. And I'll pay it all back. There's no way he could have paid it all back. And, and this guy, this, this creditor, knew that he couldn't pay it all back. But then notice what happens. He said, be patient with me, and I'll pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave him his debt. Millions of dollars of debt. Not a payback plan. Not easy. To, okay, I'm going to give you some extra time. He released him from the debt. He canceled the debt. He forgave the debt. I mean, he just released him from it. He was no longer obligated to repay Verse 26, 28, but when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. Now, a few thousand dollars is nothing to really to, to blink at, but a few thousand dollars is a long way for, from millions of dollars, right? Anybody in here owe a few thousand dollars? Anybody in here a liar? So. No, so, so this guy, he, he owed, I mean, he went to this guy who owed him a few thousand dollars. I mean, a few thousand dollars. And he said, I don't have it. And he said, he took him by the throat. Man, it just treated him horribly. And then I'm not going to finish reading the rest of the story, but he, he treated, I mean, had him thrown into prison I mean, until he, could, until he could pay it all. But I don't know how you're going to pay it all if you're in prison. That doesn't make sense to me. But that's how, that's how insane this story is. And you say, nobody would actually do it. Nobody who's been forgiven a millions of dollars is going to be that, that, that harsh with somebody who just owed them a few thousand. And I believe that is the point of the story. That there is no one who has an, any idea how much they have been forgiven who can withhold forgiveness from someone else. If, you've been, if you have this understanding that I've been forgiven a great debt, there is no way that you can withhold forgiveness from someone else who sinned against you. Amen. Amen. There is no way. I believe that is the point. 
That is the point. Because we look at this and say, that guy is crazy. That is so dumb. I mean, he has no idea what, I mean, he just got forgiven millions of dollars and he's holding this guy captive for a few thousand. You and I, Paul said that he was the chief of sinners. You and I have been forgiven a huge debt, sin against God, right? We've fallen short of God's standard. We've sinned, we've fallen short of his standard, but Jesus went to the cross for us. He shed his blood for us. He gave up his life for us, right? He offers us forgiveness. He's, and, and I love what 2 Corinthians says, that he is not holding up or counting against us our trespasses, but he has canceled them out. Amen. He's canceled them out. And so there is no reason that you and I should withhold forgiveness from someone else. But here's, here's the thing. In order to forgive like that, you've had to receive forgiveness. You cannot forgive like that until you have received God's forgiveness. And so just for the next couple of minutes, I just want to speak to everyone in here, and I'm going to ask nobody to get up, nobody walk out. You don't, you don't have to click your binders. You don't have to throw your purse around or anything. But just for the next few minutes, if you've got unforgiveness in your heart towards someone else, it's not hurting them, it's hurting you. It's holding you captive. You're not living your best life. You're not enjoying life like God wants you to enjoy life if you're holding, if you've if you got unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody else. Yes, but Pastor Chuck, you don't know what they did to me. I, I'm sure it was hurtful. But what have you and I done to the Lord? What did we do to him? And yet he says, I'm not going to hold that against you. So maybe it was a relationship, and maybe you were, maybe you were cheated on, maybe you were betrayed, maybe you were, you were left alone, maybe you were isolated, maybe, whatever. Maybe you were abused. I mean, the list could just go on and on and on. But here's the deal. If, you're, if you've got unforgiveness in your heart and you're, you're withholding forgiveness from someone else, no matter what they did to you, it's hurting you. But the only way that you can forgive them is that you've got to have been and received forgiveness from God for your sins. And so just a minute before we just dismiss, I just want to make sure everyone in here is in a right relationship with God. And I don't want to assume that you are because you're in church. I went to church for years and I wasn't right with God. Coming to church doesn't make you right with God. Any more than standing in your garage makes you a car, right? So I just want to make sure you're in a right relationship with God. So let me just ask you a question. If you were to if you were to walk out of this room today and then suddenly your heart stopped and you died and you went into eternity, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? And I know where most of us, we would uh, we just like readily choose, oh, I, heaven for me. I've never had anybody just volunteers to go to hell. Heaven for me. But if you, if you, got, if you got to heaven and, and God kind of gave you a, and he had a litmus test and he asked you, well, why should I let you in? What would your answer be? Some people would say this, well, God, I've, you know, I've lived a pretty good life. I'm better than most people on my street. <laughs> you know, I, I try to help people when they're, they're in need. I'm, I'm a pretty good person. And that's great, but nowhere, no, nowhere in this book, nowhere in this Bible does it say that if you're, if you're good enough, nowhere does it say if you're good enough you can go to heaven. It just doesn't say it. It's, it's good to be morally upstanding, and, but nowhere in this book does it say that, that if, you, if you're good enough, if you, if you, 
if you just good enough, if, I mean, if you just tip the balance of the scales and, and man, it's just a, you're a little bit heavier on the good enough side, never says that you're going to go to heaven because of that. It's not of your good works. He said, Pastor Chuck, I, I believe that I'll go to heaven because I go to church. I go to church. And that's great. I'm all for going to church, obviously, but just going to church. I went to church. I was in church, but I wasn't in Christ. But Pastor Chuck, I, I believe that I would go to heaven because I believe in God. I did too. And so do the demons. But you can believe in God and not belong to God. Just because you're not an atheist doesn't make you a believer. If you're going to get to heaven, you're going to have to do it God's way. Jesus, who is God, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus, who is God, said, you must be born again. To be born again from the beginning to the end, it just simply means you surrender all of your heart, all your life to him. You give it all to him. You give it all up and then receive his forgiveness. And when you do that, there's a work that takes place on the inside of you. You become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away and all things become new. That's the only way you can get to heaven. And it's an all or nothing proposition with God. And it's a free will thing. You have to do it. You've you got to do it willingly. You have to do it you know, just to, as a response of your will. Say, here I am. I surrender it all to you. You have to do that. God's not a, he's not going, he's not going to manipulate you. You've got to just give it up. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're in here this morning and you've never done that, you've never received that forgiveness from God, but you want to today and you want to be sure, you want to be sure that when you die and you depart this earthly life that you go to be with Jesus in heaven. If you've never done that, I'm going to count to three. And I just want you to raise your hand right where you are. Here we go. One, two, three. Right now, raise your hand. Anyone here? Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? I'm looking across the room one more time. We want to pray for you and pray with you. Anyone else? You can receive that forgiveness today. You can receive that new life today. Okay, let's all pray this prayer out loud together. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you raised him from the dead. And right now, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord. Jesus, I give you my life. And I thank you for giving me your life right now. Amen. 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 Church family, let's give these a real big hand.